scripture. We started with Eden, and we're going into Revelations, and we're really excited about uh, today because we're talking, we've worked through it so far, and then we're actually talking about our church today, and you guys, you could put in the next uh, Prezi presentation, but we were in Zion last last week, um, and about 50 of us were there, and it was like super fun, and Jake took us canyering, and um, he said it was really easy, and that anyone can do it. And so 30 of us went about, and um, it was really fun. Oh, good job. And next slide, if this is working. We're skipping the question. Can you press the little pointer at the bottom? Oh, will, will I work? Okay, here we go. So, um, and I went too far. All right, yes. All right, keep it there. So um, we went canyering, and then um, there's like this really long trail after Pine Creek. You do a 100-foot repel, which is like 10 stories, right? And then you get back to this really easy 45-minute hike out <laughs> and, um, where you have to like risk your life to like drop down boulders and hop rocks. And, um, and then Jake's like, hey, we're going to take the guys, and we're going to go get the cars, and you guys catch up. So it was Sage and four other uh, girls, and one of them was Kaylee. And um, basically, they, they start getting lost, and they go off trail. And um, Matthew finally finishes it off, and there's this steep incline out the end, and he's super tired. And right when he sits down to hydrate and just kind of lay on the floor, Jake says, man, I think the girls are lost, and Sage. And Matthew's like, Kaylee. Kaylee, my girlfriend, and then he runs down, he gets the second win. By the way, this is based on a true story. Um, he, he runs down the mountain, right, all 200 pounds of him, and uh, he runs down the creek, and he hops over wa- the water and, and boulders, and he just yells, Kaylee, where are you, Kaylee? And he, and he climbs to the top of every boulder to yell for Kaylee, and finally, through the echoes of the valley, Kaylee hears him. And he's, she says, Matthew, we're here. And this is like, it's totally dark at this point. It's just like a flashlight out in the distance. And then Matthew yells, I love you. <laughs> and Kaylee's like, I love you too. And then, <laughs> and then they try and angulate, right? So up at the top of the uh, hill, Kaylee's yelling to Matthew. Matthew's yelling to Justin and Jake. And the rangers are there. And then they radio up and they get uh, Kaylee and um, the three girls and Sage, and then the ranger gets lost. And then they send another ranger. <laughs> and then they make it out to Matthew, and Matthew gives Kaylee a big hug, and they took this picture. Um, again, based on a true story. When Kaylee gets dirty, it just kind of drops, so she doesn't ever get dirty. And then, um, and I think about, like, the kind of big story of the Bible, and I would say it's, it's about God searching for us. God calling out to us that all of us are lost. All of us um, were afraid and in the dark and kind of just trying to grab after some type of truth. And then God goes on this search, and he searches for the whole uh, timeline of human history. Right? When you look at um, Adam and Eve in the garden. Next slide, Paul. When you look at Adam and Eve in the garden, um, they're in perfect unity with God. They're walking with him. 
They walk with him in the coolness of the day. They see him face to face. They have the relationship that God had always envisioned for us, that there was, you could talk to him and he would answer back. You could see him and hang out with him. But Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to be God, that they wanted to break off this relationship and go their own way. And so they're sent out of the garden and the whole earth, earth is cursed and even their relationship with each other starts falling apart. And I wonder about all the options God has at this time. You know, he could become deistic and remove himself and say, I'll just kind of let him go. Or he could just become their enemy. But instead, we see God choose Abraham. And he says, from you, the whole nations will be blessed. I'm going to reach out to the entire earth through you and your descendants. That God doesn't give up on us, but he's always looking always searching, always calling out. And from Abraham, we have this nation called Israel be formed. And that inaugurates with Moses as he leads um, the people out of Egypt with Whitney Houston singing, you know, I believe. And then God gives them commandments. They take over this land uh, called Israel. And from this land, from this nation, all the nations are hearing about this God called Yahweh, this God that they are worshiping. And this nation is prosperous. They're invincible. Armies can't defeat them. And there's this altar where people are communing with God again. And this temple in which God resides, where you could walk up to it, no matter which nation you're a part of, you could walk up and feel the presence of God. You could feel his glory. You can ask for your sins to be forgiven. And in this nation was justice and peace, and they welcomed immigrants, and it was, just, it was just amazing. But we know that most of Israel's history wasn't that great, that even though they were supposed to live out this purpose of being a nation that blesses other nations, they were often caught up in sin and idolatry, and they were often being disciplined. And finally, they go into is- exile, they're brought back together, and, and they worship God a little bit longer, fall away. And there's this really sad scene that, um, that Isaiah is painting where the glory of God leaves the temple. And instead of being a place where you can meet God, it just becomes this empty white shell. And God stops speaking. For 400 years, there's no prophet. There's no one saying, thus says the Lord. There's just people quoting from the past. And it's, I think that when you're mad at someone, um, most of the time you yell to be heard. But I think the worst part, something worse than yelling is being silent and withdrawing. Right? That's when you know your marriage is really in trouble. If you're still fighting, that's okay. But when everyone's just silent, that's when you know you're in trouble. And that's what happens with, for 400 years. But God still doesn't give up on his people. He shows up on earth. Jesus comes 100% man and 100% God. And this like holy of holies, this temple in which everyone is going to meet God, now has legs. He came and he stands among us. And it's amazing to think about the people in which God was walking to, in which this temple of God was meeting. Right? It wasn't just the synagogues and the religious people and those with power. 
that Jesus would talk to, but he would walk off uh, two miles away from the city to be with someone who was demon-possessed. The whole city pushed him to the graveyard, and he just existed there, uh, breaking chains, being crazy. And Jesus is like, I want to spend time with you. And he delivers him from demon and makes him whole again. Jesus sits with the woman in Samaria who is known to be uh, the city prostitute and to go from one husband to another. And no one else would talk to her, but Jesus sits and says, I have living water for you. He goes to Zacchaeus, a gangster's house, right? So this, this temple now has legs. And it's amazing to think about all the imagery of the temple in which Jesus draws from. In the Holy of Holies, there's this beautiful, massive painting of a vine on one of the walls because Israel was supposed to be the vine or the vineyard of God. And then Jesus says, I am the true vine and you are the branches. In the Holy of Holies was this water basin and Jesus says, actually, I am the living water. If you're thirsty, drink from me. In the Holy of Holies are these seven candles and then Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I will draw you out of darkness. But, what, but Jesus only spends 33 years here and then he ascends. But as he ascends, he tells his 12 disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for me. And I'm going to send you a helper. And Gabe covers this last week. But they're sitting there. There's wind. And, you know, and, and, and the place is shaking up. And then um, the Holy Spirit descends on each of them. And he indwells them. And now the temple of God, instead of having two legs has 24 legs because they become the temple of God and the Holy Spirit is inside of them. And I think that's a weird concept, right? I feel like for those of you who are churched, it, you, know, you know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, but it's extremely invasive to think about, like if I were to say, I'm going to live inside of you. Isn't that, like, Amy, I don't live inside of you. Like, oh God, no. I don't even think my wife would want me to live inside of her, right? So there's like this really intimate concept that God is living inside of us, that we are his temple. And wherever we are, people can meet and find God. And at Pentecost, Peter preaches, 5,000 people receive the Holy Spirit, becomes temples of God, and then they go out. And more people becomes the temple of God and they go out. And we see the gospel go from Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And the Christian faith becomes this crazy movement where it's not based on ethnicity or location. But it's based around God coming in searching for us and redeeming us and having us set up camp wherever we are. You know, one of the, my favorite uh, statistics that I learned from Tim Keller is that the Christian faith is the only true world religion because all the other world religions are based around primarily a specific location and culture, right? So 90% of Jews are in Israel. 
90% of Hindus are in, 89% of Hindus are in um, India. 80 to 9% of Buddhists are in uh, Asia. But for the Christian faith, 20% of Christians are in Asia. 20% of Christians are in Africa. 20% of Christians are in Latin America. 20% of Christians are in North America. We, the way that God has spread across the world is phenomenal. And it's because he's made us all temples. And wherever we go, the spirit, the gospel goes with us. Paul, he's kind of hanging out. Um, and he's in Athens. Next slide, please. Next slide. We are here. So this is kind of our place in history. And uh, he, gives, he gives another a second perspective. So in one perspective, God is chasing after us. He does this through the Israelites. Then he actually walks on earth as Jesus looking for us. And then he does it through all the people who he resides in and he calls his temple. But then Peter, Paul also speaks from the other side. He's in Athens and he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. As I passed among and observed the objects of your worship, I found also the, the altar with this inscription to the unknown God. And so he's in, uh, he's in Athens, and this is kind of the, or the pinnacle of religious thought and philosophy. This is where like all the scholars go in order to discuss religion and philosophy. And Paul shows up, he starts talking about the Christian faith, he talks about this man named Jesus who dies and resurrects and fulfills the Old, the old Testament, the Old Covenant of the Jews, and it sparks their interest. So he gets these really... Um, amazing religious thinkers to invite him to the table. And as he's in their temple of worship, he sees artifacts from all these different religions. And then there's one that's extremely peculiar and gives, and uh, he, he kind of is fixated on this. There's a, this to the unknown God altar because these people understand that maybe they don't know it all. Maybe there's something that they haven't found yet. And maybe there's somewhat, some of you in this room that's looking for this unknown God. Um, you come from another religious background, or maybe your parents were atheists and agnostic, but you're like, I think there's something out there, and I want to hear about it. So Paul continues this. This is like the best sermon I've ever heard, I think, and my favorite sermon in the scripture. Oh, previous slide, please. And he says, what you worship as unknown this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being God of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Next slide. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling, that they may seek God in hope that they might feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is not actually far from each one of us. In him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. I really like this piece of scripture because Paul is saying something really surprising. 
He's saying that you are placed in this time period, in this specific location, so that you might seek after God. That when God looks at all of human history, he sees this massive timeline and he places each one of us and each person in history in a specific location. For us, it's like Fullerton or California somewhere. But he places someone else in um, Brazil. He places someone else in Taiwan. He places someone else in Ghana. And then he looks at this massive timeline. He puts, puts us in different dates and time. So none of us are here without reason, without intention, without precision. God has looked through the vast time of human history. God has looked around the globe and he said, I want you right here with this purpose that they should seek God. We are where we are so that we, we are exactly where we're supposed to be for the per very purpose that we would want to find God, that we would start desiring him, that we would look for him in hope that they may find their way towards him, feel their way towards him and find him, though he is actually not far from each one of us. So there's this God who is pursuing us through human history. And then he's also placing us in, this, in specific times and locations so that we would also pursue him. You know, I think about my journey in finding God. Um, I had a pretty difficult elementary life. Some of you guys have heard about it. But growing up, I, I had a really difficult time in school. I actually ended up failing fifth grade, and I couldn't read uh, till fifth grade. I, I knew like 20 words, so when we were reading out loud, it'd be like, I should skip, skip, you skip, skip, at, you know? And it was really traumatic when the, when the teacher makes you read. I, it was just like so embarrassing. I remember my dad uh, teaching me to read in my second time of fifth grade, and he would work 12 hours a day at uh, his restaurant, come home at 12 a.m., wake me up. And I, I, he would teach me how to read from 12 to 3 or 4 a.m., right? And his, his motivation was, we were going to win the spelling bee. And I said, Dad, I know 20 out of like the 500 words we're supposed to know. He's like, don't worry, we'll win. So I'm like, okay. So I slept at like 7, woke up at 12. He'd come home. And then we would memorize words for three and a half hours. And he didn't know phonics. So we type in these characters into like a dictionary, uh, electronic dictionaries. It would speak the word to us. And um, then we knew what the word sounded like. And then we would just learn English like you learn Chinese. You just write it over and over again and picture it in your mind. And so I read through shapes. <laughs> and I ended up getting third in the spelling bee, which was awesome. Um, I know. And then I went to sixth grade. And then I graduated junior high. And my parents were very proud of me. Um, in earlier elementary school, I remember getting bullied a lot. Uh, I remember we would be in the playground, and one of the kids' favorite games was like Chase Wilson around the playground, and I'm Wilson. And <laughs> so I would run as fast as I could, which maybe, but then I had asthma, right? So I'm like running, and I like pull out my inhaler, 
And then I would keep running. And then uh, when I couldn't run or breathe anymore, uh, uh, like all these kids would surround me. And then one of them would like kneel behind me and the other one would like push me really hard. And I'd fall on the ground and be sad. And then at home, my parents uh, had a hard time in their marriage for a little bit too. And so there was just a lot of instability in my life, whether it was academic or social or um, at home. And then uh, I had all kinds of health issues as well. So I, admit, I missed like one month of school out of every three to four months. But during that time, during that place, I look back and I'm like, man, God put me here so that I would, I would feel my way towards him. Because there were lunches where people wanted to play other games. And I remember walking the schoolyard and just saying, hey, Jesus, would you like, hang out with me and be my friend. I remember laying in the bed um, sick and just running like the Bible on tape over and over again and just really allowing God to speak to me through his word. I remember um, being afraid at home and just starting to pray and really feeling like God was present and close by. And so I look at my life, I'm like, man, God puts me in these places so that I would seek and find him. Uh, can you go two slides for me, please? You know, when I think about Renew Church, I think about how we're in this specific location because God has called Nina and I to be missionaries in Fullerton. You know, we, we say that we were missionaries here before we were pastors. And one of the places he placed us, we joined this organization called Apartment Life. The Lehmans are there as well. And uh, we set up community events right, right across the street here. Do, we, did, we did three events a month. And um, we also visited people in their homes just to see how their living experience was. And I remember s going to a, a house and um, the parents opened the door and it's this uh, Iranian family. And they invite us in because that's how Middle Eastern families work. If you show up at the door, they invite you in. They're like huge on hospitality. You could probably live there a few days, you know? <laughs> like they might let you. Um, they probably will actually. So if you're needing a place to live, go find a Middle Eastern family. And so we're hanging out with them. I'm kind of tired. I didn't want to go inside, but Nina said yes before I could say no. And then, um, and then they have this young couple and they, we start connecting because they just got married. So they showed us their wedding video and albums. And then the parents put out all these pastries because they just celebrated uh, New Year's in Iran. And we, I was eating so much pastries. And Nina kicked me. And then I continued eating because it was worth the pain. And then finally they asked me, oh, what do you guys do? And I was like, I know they're Muslim, and I was like, I'm a pastor, so Nina's an occupational therapist, right? So we talked about that for a while, and then they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor, and they're like, oh, bless you, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor, you know, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> but, they, but her mom, I remember Sarah's mom's eyes lighting up, and she said, you know, when I, went to, when I got to vacation in Europe, I would always look for a church to attend. She said, our family, we grew up in, in Iran, and uh, we were bor born Muslim. And in, in Iran, we don't get to choose our own religion. But now that we're in the U.S., we get to choose. Is it okay if we come to your church? 
And I was like, this is the biggest store I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I said yes, and they've come for a, a while. And Sarah actually just got baptized um, a month ago uh, with her family. <laughs> it was really crazy. And then as we established the church, uh, we were pastors for the apartment complex. We went to funerals. We went to birthday parties. We had two suicide on property, which we did some counseling for the staff. Um, and then we brought you guys, right? We said, when we brought our first team together as a church plant two years ago, we said, we're a missions team first. And we would prayer walk the property and, um, and do events together. And now so many of our neighbors are a part of our community, are a part of this church. And then the second place is Cal State Fullerton. Um, and we, we were there, and I remember Jonathan and I, he picked me up, like, I'm wandering the campus. He's like, help me launch Epic. And I was like, okay, what's that, right? And, um, and you know, I've been there for five years now. Jonathan has this way where he puts his arms around you, and it's just like Jedi, Jedi Master, you know, you can't say no. So, like, dodge his arm. If you see it coming, you know, move. Because once he gets it around you, it's over. He, he'll do whatever he says, those baby blue eyes. And um, anyway, so I started working with him. And I remember just um, hanging out there, and um, we, had a t we went tabling, right, um, for students. And uh, the crew students left because they had main meeting. And all my students, this was like two years out, they, they went to their meetings and, or their classes. And all of a sudden, I got really scared because I was like the only one at the table. So I retreated behind the table. I pulled out my cell phone, and I started like coddling with it um, on face and Facebook. And then I saw this girl kind of pull her friend to the table. And I was like, hey, guys, I uh, want to do our club thing. And she's like, yeah, I was, I've been looking for a Christian club. I was like, awesome. Are you Christian? She's like, I'm not, but my friend is. I'm like, why are you pulling your friend then? And then um, her friend did not look excited. <laughs> her Christian friend did not look excited. And then she's like, I've been wanting to learn about Christianity for a long time. I was like, okay. <laughs> and so we brought her in, and she was with us for two years. This other guy named Sonny uh, walked in with the Bible that his aunt handed to him. He's a Chinese immigrant, never heard about Jesus. We got to share the gospel with him, see him get baptized. And now we have crew staff everywhere here, you know, and we're sending them some. Uh, we sent Jeff to chase after this girl and to staff in Ohio, right? That other Jeff, you're going to Japan, Japan is that right? And then we have another, like, 12 staff in this room. And it's become another mission field for us. Um, I'm really proud of our church because I believe we're living the call that God's always had in searching, calling out, reaching for people. He reached all of us first. And then he's asking us to reach others. You know, I, I remember... I, um, sitting down um, and just kind of thinking about all the ministries that we've started up. Our basketball ministry downstairs. Yesterday night, we had a special needs dance, and we had uh, nine people with special needs come out and like 20 volunteers who <laughs> wanted to hang out and dance. Um, and I remember, you know, one of, one of my friends, he was telling me, it's refreshing to be with someone with special needs because they don't see you the way other people see you, right? When we look at each other, we think status and wealth and beauty. When you sit with someone with special needs, they're just with you, and they don't see any of those things. And I think about how vulnerable dancing is and how they don't care. 
and, and then they make us not care about things that are unimportant so that we can just dance. So we did that last night. We had a creative arts meeting to talk about what it looks like to do art and theology and, um, and be real. And then we do this laundry mat now where we go once a month to pay for people's laundry and have spiritual conversation. And we're still doing apartment life. We're on like 12 different campuses as a staff from our church. And we went to about 15, we sent about 15 missionaries out this summer all over the world. And some of them came back really passionate, as you could tell from this morning. Um, I'm proud of our church because I believe that we've, we're not doing anything new. We're just be a part of what God's always been doing, seeking after people and placing people exactly where they're supposed to be so that they're seeking after him. Um, I was playing volleyball, and the lights turned off, and I was just kind of sitting with a couple people on the ground. Everyone who comes out to, like, meetup groups wants friends, and I'm there too. And so, and volleyball is just an excuse. So we're hanging out, and uh, finally, you know, we, they asked me what I do. I said, I'm a pastor. And one of the guys said, you know, I just started listening to Christian sermons on the radio for no reason, <laughs> right? He was like kind of a thug before, and then he was like Buddhist before that. And now he's just like listening to Christian radio. I was like, hey, you want to hear a sermon live? So, and then the next girl, and then I thought like maybe, maybe God placed him in this moment next to a volleyball court in this space so that he can reach and feel his way towards God. Maybe he placed him in that car with the radio dial in that position so that he can reach and find God. The next girl talked about how she's in drug re recovery, kind of like AA but for drug abuse and wrestling with depression. And um, the first thing about drug re recovery is you have to find a higher power. But she grew up in Vietnam and they're communists and atheists. And she's like, you know, the concept of God, I, didn't, I never, like, thought about that. And I was like, I can help, you know. <laughs> so we started talking about God. And I talked about how my mom wrestled with depression for a long time, but God brought her out of it. And then, like, two weeks later, she said, you know, that story about your mom really, really meant something to me. And then the next girl, she said she was looking for a church. So... And I just thought, man, there's this, like, person that's sitting in front of me. And I just really felt like God placed her there, right there, at this time, so that she could feel and long and find her way towards God. He does that for each one of us. And I think for some of you guys, he's doing that right now in this moment. You know, maybe you're Christian, but you, you haven't, gone to church for a long time, or you've gone to church, but you don't really love God anymore. Or maybe you are just wandered in, and you saw the imperfect people only sign, and you felt like you might be able to sit down and not run, and God's like pulling at your heart. Maybe you feel like you've done something that you can never be forgiven of, but, and you can't earn your way out of, and then that this God might still love you. Like, all of us are in the exact place we're meant to be so that God can show us he loves us and he wants us home. And just like Matthew, he's saying, I love you. 
and I'm looking for you. Um, I pray that this week as we go to the places we're supposed to be, you know, our workplaces and um, our hobbies and our schools, that there be this sense that you're supposed to be there. And there's a sense that the people around you are supposed to be there too. That with precision, God's placed them there so that they can find him, so that you can be this walking, breathing temple of God um, where they can meet him. Today, as we take communion, I just think about how it's not just for us, you know? That Jesus came and he, and he died for our sins. He let his body be broken and his blood be spilt so that we have access to the Father. But as we find the Father, as we are found by the Father, he's calling us to be a part of this great mission of bringing him to others as well. Like Jesus prays this really crazy prayer with his disciples. He says, um, he prays for workers because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I hope that as a community, in our playing basketball, in our special needs, in the community around us, that there would be this, this deep joy of answering the prayer of Christ. Right? Like how many prayers has Jesus answered in our lives? that we've said, that we've thought, that we haven't even been able to articulate, but he's answered those prayers. And for us to go back and to say, Jesus, I want to answer this prayer of loving the people around me and telling them that you love them and you're searching for them. And so as we go to the communion table, I hope that we would desire to answer that prayer. Um, that we would be in places with intention knowing that God's placed people with intention there as well. Father, we love you, and we thank you that you searched after us when we got lost, when we were alone and afraid, when it was dark and we couldn't feel our way out. You came to rescue us, to call for us, to tell us that you love us. And I pray that for those of us who don't know you, that there would be this this sense this morning that each one of you are supposed to be here and that God wants to find you, that God's placed you here so that he can have a relationship with you, so that he could tell you that he loves you and that you were made with a purpose and that you get to be a part of his family And for those of us, God, that you, that are your children, I pray that we would join the search party, um, that we would join your mission in offering people the gospel, in offering people your friendship, in being the temple of God. We love you. In Jesus' name.